Hey, how are you guys doing? It's Pastor Josh here, and I want to welcome you to Downey First Christian Church. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. You're looking at us on a screen, and that might be, you know, your TV, a device, you know, computer, whatever it is. But we want to say welcome, especially if you're here for the first time. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in person. I mean, we're going to reopen our church. We mentioned this on June 28th, and we're going to give you more details as we go along. But our desire is that you'll come here physically because we want to see you. Now, we have to understand there's going to be restrictions. There's the obvious restrictions that have to do with age. You know, if, if you have a little baby, don't bring your little baby. If you're old or if you're not feeling well, don't come to church. Uh, there's no shame in that. We're not making you come to church. We're not saying, hey, if you, you know, don't come to church, you have to feel guilty. We want to have you here, but we also want to have all the safety requirements that the CDC uh, is explaining to us and also um, the World Health Organization. But we're looking forward to seeing you. So that's the 28th. On the 19th, on June 19th, we're going to have a worship night. And so we're looking forward to seeing you. Also, there's going to be restrictions, of course, uh, but we're just going to come together and have a time of worship, a time of prayer. We're going to hear uh, a word from the Word of God. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you because it is time for us to be able to come and meet finally in person. I can't wait. All right, let's go to our, our, um, our word for today. We find it in Mark chapter 10. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, if you do, please uh, look it up. But we're going to also have the uh, scriptures on the screen here. Mark chapter 10 is our verse for today, our passage of scripture. And it says this, Verse 35, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup uh, I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten, meaning the rest of the disciples, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." Brothers and sisters, in the midst of everything that we are going through, I want to propose a question, a question. It's a question that I hope to answer today, and it's a question that we want to wrestle with this morning. This is the question. Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? It's a question that the disciples ask Jesus, and it's a question that Jesus answers for them, and I believe he answers that for us as well. But before that, let's go to our church announcements and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm part of the team here at Downey First Christian, where we exist to love God, love people, and serve the world. Here are your announcements for June 7th.
We are gearing up to return to campus for church services on Sunday, June 28th. This is very exciting news, as we cannot wait to see each other face to face. However, coming together means having measures in place so we can best show love to one another, honoring each other's boundaries, and adhering to best practices for health and safety. Our children will attend with their families as young ones may have difficulty with social distancing. Our capacity will be limited. Volunteers will be needed to disinfect between services and direct the flow of people. One of the processes we will be implementing is a sign-up form to reserve your seat each week so that we can better manage our capacity. Don't worry, we will send out full instructions as well as set up a trial run beforehand so that we can all get the hang of it. We also ask that as our church family, we extend grace to one another as we come together. While one person may not want to hug others, another may be eager for physical contact. One may hate wearing a mask in public while another may see their face covering as a lifeline. We are the people of God, and Jesus reminds us that the world will know who we follow by the love we show. Let us then live out our love. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 14, if holding to our freedom to act however we wish keeps others from knowing God, then let us restrict our preferences for the sake of the one who gave us our freedom in the first place. If you are new to us, we want to welcome you. We pray that your experience with our community online has moved you into a deeper relationship with God and has made you desire to make Downey First Christian Church your church home. We invite you to connect with us in our new growth track that is launching today, June 7th. In this short four-week series, Pastor Mark will walk you through what it looks like to belong to our church through loving God, loving people, and serving the world. This track is currently held via Zoom at 12.30 each Sunday. You can sign up to participate through the link below or on our website. As we move towards gathering together, we ask that you serve through two specific ways. First of all, please join us in prayer that our church and leaders will move forward guided by God's wisdom. Our plans remain fluid as we seek to adapt to possible changes in our city's circumstances. We will be gathering on Zoom every Monday evening at 6.30 to pray together for half an hour. If you would like to join, email your information to info at downyfirst.org so we can send you the link. Secondly, coming together means spending resources of time and money to get ready. This means your regular giving is very crucial as we purchase protective equipment and establish new processes. And it means that if you are available to help with our new greeting and ushering procedures, we could use your assistance. You can give through our website and volunteer to help out through the connect link below. I invite you to join us in prayer, in reaching out to others, and in extending generosity so that many more will come to know the hope and love of Jesus. See you next time. All right, I'd like to start off with a question. Have you ever missed the point? Like you're going to the grocery store, you're having a conversation, or you're, getting some, you're doing something in your life and you just absolutely miss the point? I think that's happened to all of us. And I have, a, I have a friend, he's one of my best friends in Chile. His name is Jorge, and I've actually talked to you guys about him before. We're really good friends, but we're very different. And so we have different approaches to life. He's more of a dreamer, and I'm more like pragmatic. Like I like to, you know, get my list and get all the things done. So anyway, when we were younger, we had a radio program at a radio station, and it was uh, during the summer, it was at night, and we had a great time uh, doing this radio show. It was super fun. Uh, but then we start talking, and we're like, we want to start our own radio station. Like, we would love to start our own radio station. And sometimes we would sit down, and we would talk, and we would kind of dream about what this radio station would look like and how we would do it. And I would always get frustrated with him because he's, he, he would be like, 
we have to have this great couch and we have to have like a leather couch that is very comfortable and when people come and see us and we have our interviews they can sit on this couch oh and our and our coffee needs to be great like it has to be like the best quality coffee because coffee is important you know you have to have good coffee if you want to have to have a good radio station and he's like oh and also the decoration man on the walls we have to have like our favorite bands our favorite bands need to have uh you know uh, their posters on our wall because that just it speaks about who we are as a radio station and all that kind of stuff and i always had to stop i'm like dude 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 settle down we don't have any money yet we don't have a radio station we don't have anything let's start with the basics first and so that's an example of someone who would always just miss the point. But I think that's happened to all of us, right? I mean, have you ever gone to the grocery store and you're like, okay, I'm going to go get detergent. And then you go into the grocery store and then you're there for 20 minutes and you walk out with a full cart and you're like, oh, what? You forgot the detergent, right? The thing that you were there for. Now, the reason why I share those weird stories is because, because this, is, this is a normal thing that can happen to us in life, and it can also happen to us in our walk with Christ. You see, the same thing that I'm talking about, missing the point, was what was happening to uh, the disciples that came up to Jesus. You see, when James and John came up to Jesus, they missed the point completely. Just to give you a little bit of context, remember the question that they were asking, who's going to be the greatest, who's going to sit at your right and on your left? Jesus, right before they asked that question, do you guys know what he was talking about? He was talking about his death. He was talking about his resurrection. He was, he was talking about the mocking that he was going to receive. He was talking about his suffering. And just out of the blue, these guys say, hey, okay, great. You know, they may, maybe weren't even listening to him. They're like, hey, by the way, when you come in your kingdom, can we like sit on your right and on your left? Like out of nowhere. You see, this is very important for us to understand because what was happening in that conversation was that, that it seemed like they weren't getting the point. They weren't understanding what Jesus came to do. And that's not the only moment that that happened. You know, there was another moment when they were asking sort of the same question. There was an argument amongst a couple of the disciples. And it was right after Jesus was uh, having the Last Supper with him. Such an important moment. And all of a sudden, there's this fight. We can find that um, in Luke 22, 24. It says, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. You see, it's so, it's so funny when I, when I think about this, because to us it may seem so obvious in retrospect, as we're thinking about the disciples and Jesus, that they should have understood that the whole thing about being a Christian, a follower of Christ, had nothing to do with who is the greatest. Because they were with Jesus. They were literally with Jesus. They should have understood it. It should have been obvious through the teachings and the healings and the miracles, the generosity, the selflessness of Jesus. When Jesus would wash their feet, obviously it was never about who is the greatest. Why wouldn't they understand that? You see, here's the problem. The disciples, they still had uh, the same worldview. It was hard for them to change their world view. You see, when they saw Jesus and they heard about the prophecies and Jesus came in and he would talk about the kingdom, immediately in their mind, they would think about the current framework. In other words, a king, a hierarchy. They understood it in that way. And so that's the way they understood it. There was no other way for them to be able to, to process it because they were never exposed to what Jesus was actually doing. So obviously the question came up, hey, when you end up being king, like the king that they imagined, we want to be like at your right and at your left hand. Can you please give that to us? Because that's the framework that they had. Now the same can be true for us today. 
I mean, there's frameworks in businesses. There's the, the CEO, and there's the regional manager, and then there's the branch managers, and then there's the, you know, the department heads, and then sales. There's this structure, right? There's a hierarchy. There's levels of importance. The same in politics right now. You know, there's a, there's a structure in politics. And so the, the, the assumption of the disciples was that Jesus, listen to this, that Jesus was going to bring his kingdom to fit into the current framework of their political establishment. And so when Jesus talks about the kingdom of, of, of God and he talks about the kingdom of heaven, it was Jesus actually but they didn't understand this yet. Clearly, it was, he was throwing out the entire old playbook and he was ushering in something absolutely new, something absolutely different. They had nothing to do with the old and he called it the kingdom of heaven. And in the structure of the kingdom of heaven, there's no hierarchy, which was mind-blowing. There's no hierarchy. There's no Jews or Gentiles or free or slave or men or women and there was certainly no race. You see, in essence, what Jesus was bringing in the kingdom of heaven was, was this. Listen to this. No one is better than the other. And honestly, this is hard to understand. And the disciples, they simply didn't get it. And Jesus would try to describe this to them. And they didn't get it. And he would describe it again, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it, and they didn't get it. Now, in retrospect, you know, 2,000 years later, we can think back and say, man, why didn't they understand it if for us now, maybe, or maybe we think that it's obvious or it should be obvious. But he was trying to explain to them the unexplainable because he had nothing to compare it with. Have you ever tried to explain something to someone and you have nothing to compare it with because they've never actually experienced it before? I think I might have shared this story uh, way back. I, I, did, um, I did a missions trip to Samoa, and it was, it, was a great, it was a great experience. And one of the things that, you know, we did missions, and we did, you know, different work with different people there, and it was really good. But one of the things that they would always talk to me about is, like, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to go to this place, and you're going to be able to taste something that you've never tasted before. Because this was an amazing experience. And they were like, okay, there's this, there's this ice cream and it's, and it's passion fruit ice cream. But the way that they make the passion fruit ice cream here is just unbelievable. And you'll be able to taste it. And they would talk to me about how creamy it was and how it had little chunks of passion fruit in it and how it was just going to... So they were trying to explain to me the unexplainable because I had never experienced it. And so I thought I knew what it was because they had talked about it so much, but everything changed when I finally tasted the ice cream and I'm like, okay, now I get it because I experienced it. You see, the same was happening with Jesus and his disciples. He was trying to describe the undescribable, which was the kingdom of heaven. And that's why Jesus used parables. He used parables. That's what he would say. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Or the kingdom of, he of heaven is like a mustard seed. Or like a man who goes on a journey. Or it's like ten virgins. And he talks about all these things that they would, okay, I know what that is. And so it's similar to this. But it was so new. It was so different. He was describing the known. Sorry, he was describing the unknown with the known. He was bringing heaven to earth. He was bringing the framework of heaven 
to earth, which is actually part of what we're supposed to do as Christians. We are invited to pray about this, right? We talk about this in the Lord's Prayer. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. We're ushering in with Jesus the kingdom of heaven. John 18 talks about this kingdom not being of this world, which means it's different rules. It's not what you imagine. I'm saying kingdom because I know that you understand what a kingdom is, and it's kind of like that, but not exactly. This is so important for us to understand. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's with different rules where the outsiders are insiders, where you die to live, where you give to receive, where the first is last, where the most powerful man gets on his knees and he washes the feet of the person who is below him in status. We've all heard of this before. And we sometimes get frustrated. Like, I get frustrated. I'm like, why don't the disciples get it? It was right in front of them. You know, it's not about importance, we'll say. It's not about status. It's not about knowledge. It's not about education. It's not about influence. It's not about who is the greatest. Don't you get it? I'll think about when I'm, think, when I'm reading about the disciples. Don't you get it? It's not about status. The kingdom of God is all-inclusive, and this kingdom is available to all. We've talked about this before. It's the whole idea of we have, we have one Father, We have one family, which is humanity. We've got one inheritance that is available to all. Jesus talks about this over and over again. You see, what Jesus ushered in and explained, I don't know if we get it or not. Even 2,000 years later, do we get it? I don't know. This is what what I'm thinking about. We should get it, right? The Bible talks about it. No Jews, no Gentiles, no slave, no free, no man, no woman. No black and no white. What about now? You see, it's become very clear that our nation still has a lot to learn about equality. You see, the events that have unfolded in the past few weeks have shown that we are still not where we need to be as a society. However, it's easy to look at racism and look at the hate, and look at the discrimination, and, and, and I, can, I can black out my profile on Facebook, and, I, and I, went, I went on a protest on Friday with my son, and I can do all these things, and I can point the finger and say, they need to change, they need to change, and I can look at all these changes that I need to see happen, and the structure, and the politics, and the policy, the hierarchies, assuming listen to this, assuming that the change is out there somewhere. Like, they got to do something. What does the Bible say? John 18 says, my kingdom is not of this world. And Luke 17 says something to the effect. This is a a really interesting translation, and there's different translations to this. It talks about the kingdom of God lies within you. The kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is at hand, which to me says that the change is not out there in the current structure where we're waiting over here for others to make the change. I believe the change lies within us. And if we look at the outside to make the change, the change is never going to happen because it starts with me. You see, when we throw out the whole hierarchical framework of the society, we're left with no excuses other than looking within. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. And it's what I'm challenging myself to do right now. You see, the change is not outside. 
The change is inside. It's us. It's me. It's now. Nothing changes until I ask myself the following question. I'm asking myself this question this week, and I, I invite you to ask yourselves this, this very question. What is it within myself that needs to change? You see, this is about race, but it's not just about race. You see, it's about anyone who you think is different than you. It's about status, different status. It's about different ideology. It's about different sexual orientation. It's about different nationality, education, political leaning, lifestyle. It's about non-believers. How do we see non-believers? You see, one of the reasons why people sometimes get so turned off by Christianity is because they perceive us, and I'm not saying that we're doing this on purpose, but they perceive us as us seeing ourselves as, as more important than them. And you may be listening to this right now and saying, of course we're more important. Of course, because we have salvation. We have God in us. He gave us salvation. Of course, that we're above everyone else because we have this salvation inside of us. Now, let me ask you this. What did you do to save yourself? What have I ever done to save myself? You see, yes, we have salvation. Yes, we have Jesus Christ. Yes, we have the best thing ever, but not because of something that we did. It's because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Who's the greatest? Only one. That is Christ. There are no hierarchies in the kingdom of God. We are all the same. We are not superior to anyone. That's why it's so important for us to listen carefully to the answer that Jesus gives to James and John on the question about who is going to be honored when his kingdom comes in. Mark 10, this is the continuation of the conversation. Jesus says, not so with you. He tells them, not, not so with you. What is he saying? He's saying? He's saying that those rules of who's up and who's down and who's got these different positions, this does not apply in the kingdom of God. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. You want to be great? Okay, start serving. That's the way to greatness. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. So you want to be first? Great. That means you have to be a slave to everyone. For, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we have his example, follow his example. You want to be great? Okay, you give everything up, you give your life, you walk with Christ, and you renounce to everything. That's what greatness is in the kingdom of God. You see, it's upside down. And we've talked about this before. But the question now is, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? We're followers of Christ. So when we ask the question, what does this mean for us? We have to ask the question, what does that mean for Jesus? Because we follow Jesus. What did it mean for Jesus? Well, think about his position as a rabbi. He could have held on to that position. Like, hey, look at all the stuff that I know. What does he do? He switches it to a servant. You see, status, recognition, accolades, all these things that we strive for, they mean nothing in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus modeled for us. So what did Jesus do when he was the most powerful being, the most powerful person? He takes the position of a, of a, of a servant and he washes his disciples' feet as an you know, example and then he goes to the cross. So it's upside down. So the question that I want to propose today, and I do not... I don't want to say, hey, I got this answer. I'm going to give you guys the answer. I'm, I'm, I'm working through this. I'm in the process of working through this. Even as I'm preaching right now, God's working in my heart. 
Who does the world see as inferior right now? I think it has become obvious what the answer to that question is in the past few weeks. And I think some of us, me included, we need a breakthrough in our life in this area. You see, I know that I'm experiencing a breakthrough in my life right now as I address this subject and as, and as I let it into my heart. And it's been so hard, and I've shared this with some people, it's been so hard, as, as, it has, as, as it's probably been hard for you too, to accept being part of the problem. You see, here's my story. Some of you guys know my story, but I I grew up as a missionary kid in South America. And we grew up in the middle of a dictatorship government. This was from 1973 all the way to 1988. It was dictatorship. That That meant military in the street. That meant police officers all the time. That meant curfew. That meant protest. It was it was all the time. And people being tortured and people disappearing and us feeling uh, scared because we were Americans in the midst of all this. It was every single day. And so what happens to me, what happened to me with this situation with George Floyd, I'm like, it's horrifying. Yes, it's horrifying. But for some reason, for some reason, it seemed not as bad as it really is just because of where I grew up in. The second thing that happened to me as I, as I grew up as a missionary in Chile is that I related to everyone. I, I, I was friends with homeless people. I just Poverty was part of my daily interaction. And my dad modeled this very well because he taught me not just with his words, but with his actions that were all equal. He would treat the homeless in the street the same that he would treat a pastor or anyone in, in, in any authority. That was, always, that was one of his best qualities. And so the whole idea of of racism or actually someone being a racist was such a strange idea to me because like who would actually like I always thought that that someone must be exaggerating a little bit because no one can actually think that black people are inferior or that black people, you know, have a different standing or, 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 or that people actually see them as as different or inferior. And so I had to repent of this. Because, because I understand now at 44 years old that this is actually a big deal. Now, just knowing that it's a big deal doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I was talking to my son about that, you know, just knowing and having conversations about this doesn't change anything. You know, it's like if your car is, you know, if, you, if your car, if you're having car trouble, if you figure out what the problem is, it doesn't mean you're going to solve it. You have to go and fix the car. Same thing with us. You see, when I look at myself and I have, you know, conversations with my son and just kind of going through this whole thing, I'm like, okay, fine. We see the problem. This is very real. Now, what do I do? What's the change that has to take place in my life? What is the change that has to take place in your life? And I I don't think it's a small change. You see, sometimes we preach and we're like, oh, these guys just kind of tweak something here. No, it's a big change. It's a radical change. It's a change similar to the change that the Apostle Paul had. You see, the Apostle Paul, many of you guys uh, may know this, he wrote most of the New Testament, first missionary ever. You know, he was, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a persecutor of Christians, and he has this boom, incredible change in his life. We read a little bit about this, of how he saw his past life as opposed to his present life. Philippians chapter 3, we'll go through this real quick. It says this, verse uh, 5 says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So he had everything that the world had to offer. We could say that he would be, present period of time, 
on the cover of Time magazine. He had everything that the world had to offer. Now, verse 7 says, but whatever, listen to this, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. His past life is gone. I don't care about it. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is the kind of breakthrough that we need to have in our lives. It's the kind of breakthrough that I believe needs to happen in our society. You see, here's the thing. It's really hard to look at ourselves. I don't like looking at myself. I don't like looking at myself in a mirror. Imagine that. Looking at yourself in the heart is even harder than that. But here's the thing. It's so easy to say that's the problem. You got, that guy's got to fix that. That guy's got to fix that. It's politics. Is it? No, that doesn't help anyone. What is it that you have to do? What is it that I have to do in my heart to change? Look at yourself first. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to close your eyes here. And I've been praying about this moment. I want to ask you to close your eyes. And I want, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you, show you what it is that you need to learn and what it is that you need to change. These are the two questions. So if you're with someone, please hold their hand, close your eyes. And I'm going to say a few things before we pray. So I was telling you earlier that Justin and I went to the march uh, on Friday. And it was, it, was, it was a really, it was super peaceful. It was, it was great. It was great. It was, it was a protest. And one of the things that we did that I'll never forget is that there was this African-American guy who told this story. And then he said, I want you, we're going to do this. You know, uh, George Floyd, the, the police officer, had his knee on his neck for eight minutes. And so he's like, I want you guys to take a knee for eight minutes. I want you guys to get on your knees for eight minutes. And we're just going to think, we're going to think about what happened. We're just going to take a moment of mourning. It's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever experienced in my life. It was beautiful, but it was hard. And eight minutes is a long time to be on your knees. I, just, I realized that too, as I'm 44. But one of the things that went through my mind was, of course, the sacrifice of Jesus. It was the discomfort that I felt just, I kept shifting over and over, and I thought about, about George Floyd. And I thought about, what is it in me, what is it in me that I have done to contribute to the problem? Have I ever laughed at a joke? Have I ever been silent when someone has said a joke? Have I ever contributed by just letting something pass that you know in your heart that is like, mm. now you may think that that's nothing, but if it's, if it's the most slightest thing, it's like death by paper cuts, right? We've talked about that. You know, that, what is it in you, what is it in me that I can do to contribute to the problem, even if we think that it is minimal? Now, this is not a time for guilt or for shame. This is a time for change. You see, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this forgiveness available. You see, if you've ever been a part of this or you've ever had a thought or you've ever, anyone in your life that you've thought that is inferior to yourself, this is time to repent right now. And I'm repenting this morning for being part of the problem. So I'm going to pray right now. And we're going to pray together. So let's, uh, let's close our eyes. Lord God, we thank you for the moments that we share. We thank you for your love and your blessing. We thank you, Lord, because we get to live in this great country, Lord, but a country that has so much to learn still. We recognize, Lord, that it is possible that even if there is a sliver, a sliver of things that we have said or laughed or let pass, that we are actually part 
of the problem. I pray, Lord, that we will repent. I repent, Lord, for anything that I may have done or not done or let pass that has contributed to the problem. I repent right now, Lord, and I thank you because we know that as a result of your sacrifice, there is forgiveness available for all of us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this, um, this church as individuals will be a light and that we will step up when we need to step up and say the things that we need to say and not say the things that we don't need to say and walk away from conversations um, understanding, Lord, that, that you see us all as equal and this is the kingdom that you have ushered in. We pray this and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.